0: Welcome to the amazing nerd show now uploading force kung fu strap in folks the nerds have arrived bringing you the ultimate nerd podcast nerds the worlds of gaming horror tv and film have collided right here this will be your finest hour hey this is christian hey this is Damon, and this is the amazing nerd show all right this week's podcast we're
1: breaking down episode 7 of ahsoka and we're also talking all the latest news and rumors in nerd
0: culture. Plus, we're giving our predictions to AEW's Wrestle Dream. But all right, with that said, let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors
1: of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. Warning,
0: potential spoilers for upcoming shows and movies ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. All
1: right, up first this week the writer's strike is officially
0: over. Well, it seems that the near five-month writer's strike may have finally come to an end as Deadline reports on the final agreement between the WGA and the AMPTP, which terms for the agreement are to last for the next three years until May 1st, 2026. Some of the details reported by Deadline feature, you know, huge new residual agreements for you know stream projects that will begin on any project released after January 1st. They also negotiated pay raises equal to that of the Directors Guild of you know, about five percent. They also put in place minimum employed writers requirements for series, with you know three writers getting ten consecutive weeks of employment for pre-greenlit series, and then twenty weeks for post-greenlit development guaranteeing job security here. These changes will begin even sooner, starting in December 1st. And with that, attention then moves to SAG-AFTRA, as SAG has announced that they are going to, you know, to the bargaining table here with AMPTP this upcoming Monday on October 2nd. Disney CEO Bob Iger, of course, this past week was quoted, you know, with a bunch of bullshit about respecting the creative community, saying it's his fervent hope to quickly find solutions to the issues that have kept them apart these past few months, and that he is personally committed to working to achieve this result. Whatever, Bob. Um, I'm sure he's had to change his
1: tune since, you know, The Strike is now finally taking a toll on the big studios financially. Uh, I'm glad that the writers were able to get a deal done. It's, from the sound of things, you know, everyone's pretty happy with what they got. Uh, Now, hopefully, you know, the actors can do the same. But anyway, moving on to a show that was definitely affected by The Strike, um, at least release-wise... We've got an update for the MCU's upcoming Echo series.
0: Disney Marvel dropped a new synopsis for Echo that reads Marvel Studios Presents Echo, in which Maya Lopez struggles to reconnect with her Native American roots while balancing aspirations tied to a life of crime as successor to the you know brutal legacy of Wilson Fisk, aka Kingpin. In the first episode, we are introduced to Maya Lopez and her struggles. Along with this, some rumors were actually surfaced this week from, you know, Industry Insider, Can We Get Some Toast, claiming the series has gone from a six episode count now to a five episode count, as one episode was removed due to pacing issues. The series is set to drop sometime in early 2024, with most predicting January. And I believe this is gonna be a release where they just drop all the episodes all
1: at once. Yes. Um, they're doing it kind of like netflix style which mm-hmm. is a lot different than you know the typical disney plus show uh which i mean it'll be a cool experiment i guess uh, with that being said I- i'm wondering like if the episode was just cut all together or if they took like what they shot for the episode and just kind of edited it in you know and put it throughout the other episodes you know
0: what i'm yeah. saying I would I would hope that as well, like if it's just a pacing issue, then you just fix it so that it you know works within what other episodes you have. Yeah, I would hope so, where they just
1: take what's important from the episode um, and just kind of intertwine it within the other episodes. Well, sticking with Marvel, looks like we've got new details about Sentry's possible role in the MCU.
0: Can We Get Some Toast brought rumors of Steve Yoon playing Sentry in the MCU, being that he will appear as part of the Thunderbolts team for the first two acts of that film, but then will be ripped away for unknown reasons. On top of that, Can We Get Some Toast claimed you know Yoon will be made to look comic book accurate with blonde hair, a giant S, and all. Thunderbolts is still scheduled for a December 20th, 2024 release.
1: So I'm not going to lie, uh, I totally forgot Stephen Yoon was actually playing Sentry. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, you know, if done right, the Century could be pretty fucking awesome. The problem is the comic books have never really done him right, uh, besides his origin story, which I will say I, I thought was a fantastic series. Uh, I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, But after that, everything that Bendez did, you know, introducing him into, like, the Marvel Universe proper and the New Avengers and everything like that has just been kind of a mess. Um, But there's a lot of meat on the bone with this character, uh, especially bringing him into the MCU. So, you know, there's potential for some great storylines. I'm just wondering you know, big picture wise, how he's going to kind of figure into like their plans. Because if he's just gonna be, you know, part of the first two acts of the film, my guess is they're saving him for something else down the line. I mean, obviously I could see him showing up in Secret Wars and he'd be a huge wild card. I mean, like I said, I- I'm looking forward to this. Um, I'm just a little disappointed that they didn't choose to go the Disney Plus route when it comes to his origin story. Because I really, like I said, I love the mini series um, that they did, you know, introducing the character. And I feel like they really could have done that with like, you know, a short Disney Plus series um, and get people really excited, you know, for him, you know, entering the MCU. Um, because I, I feel like that's probably the most intriguing story told with this character um, at this point. So, and like, I'm not up to date exactly where he is right now currently in Marvel, you know, uh, comic book wise, but it just feels like, you know, they've wasted him. So I I don't know. I feel like with the right writers, they really could do him justice here.
0: I mean, maybe it's a case of we're going to introduce him in this film and then they might do a Disney Plus like special. Uh, with the character later I don't- that's true i mean they could introduce him
1: like fully formed as this character and then go back and tell his full story yeah i mean that would totally work i don't know i don't know if i see that happening but i don't know stephen yun's a talented actor where i could see him really pulling that off it just really depends on like how big scope eyes they're willing to go with the miniseries this hypothetical miniseries that we're just pulling out of our Uh
0: ass
1: (laughs) because this origin story really does touch every corner of the marvel universe so and I, i feel like it wouldn't carry as much weight if they you know secret invasion it if you will and like tell this like watered down version yeah so um I don't know we'll just have to wait to see it.
0: This just in as of editing the show since the WGA strike has ended deadline sources claim Marvel is trying to set up the most lucrative jobs in the industry right now with further rumors claiming one said job could be riding on the first ever MCU X-Men film. While insiders claim there's no rush to fill this job since it's not slated on their schedule yet it's still exciting to finally see rumors floating about the production of X-Men in general. It's believed that Writers will be in place by the start of 2024, which I mean, you have to imagine scripts could actually be finished by 2025 if they're given that much time to work on it. But that's, you know, all just mere speculation. The next X Men related film to be released is going to be Deadpool 3, which should be the swan song of the Fox generation, and that's set for a May 3rd, 2024 release. All right, well moving on to the DC side of things,
1: it looks like James Gunn has confirmed the three stars that will continue their roles in the new DCU.
0: James Gunn took to the internet to clarify some things going on with the DCU as he made it clear that nothing is fully canon until Creatures Commandos airs next year, as that will be the first official DCU project to air. He also continued to state that some characters will have plot threads consistent to what we've seen from them in previous shows across former DC projects. With that, he also mentioned some of the actors that will be reprising their roles. As he confirmed, Viola Davis is still set for Amanda Waller, who is still getting her own series. Um, John Cena will continue on for Peacemaker Season 2, and Gunn confirmed that Zolo Meridwena is still on to play Blue Beetle going forward. All right, Christian. So I feel like this is just evidence that it's a
1: slow news week because (laughs) I feel like we already talked about the story like months ago.
0: Uh I mean, we weren't 100% that Blue Beetle would be continuing on. But so it's good to hear that from Gunn, at least. I thought he said that. I thought he said that Blue
1: Beetle, the character, is officially part of the DCU already. I I guess. Like before the film came out. So, and he definitely said that Cena and uh, Viola Davis would be returning, you mm-hmm. know, as their characters. So, sure, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I think probably the bigger story is who he didn't mention, right? You know, which is like, you know, Ezra Miller, Gil-Gadot, you know, you know, those actors. But I still feel like that doesn't mean that they're not returning. Um, you know, it's just, you know, whether or not he wants to reveal that yet. Although, after seeing how the Flash film did at the box office, I'm sure they're probably thinking it's time for, you know, a fresh coat of paint. Uh, So, I I definitely wouldn't be surprised, especially with all the controversy surrounding Ezra. Like, they Mm -hmm. wouldn't, like, move on from them. So, um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Now, with that being said, Christian, is there anyone else, you know, from the previous DCEU... Um, that you'd like to see continue on, you know, in their role uh, in the DCU. Continue on in their current role,
0: because I mean, uh, I'm not necessarily for...
1: the story, just you know, reprising well, their character.
0: Yeah, I understand. I, I, I mean, I'm down for Jason Maboa to take on another role uh, in in the next DCU, but I don't know if I need him back as Aquaman. I'd be down for um, Margot Robbie to continue on as Harley. Yeah, I, I agree have no with problem that. with that trying to think if there's anyone else. Uh, I mean, I liked most of the uh, the cast from the Suicide Squad, so I had no problem with that. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Like, what, what's her name? Ratcatcher. Mm-hmm. Ratcatcher right? two, two. Right? right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'd be fine with them. You know, bringing back who was you know left alive at the end of Suicide Squad. You yeah, know, that's totally fine with me. And honestly, like that film was kind of operating outside of the DCU. Uh, continuity anyway right
0: yeah to begin with mm-hmm.
1: yeah technically so I'm cool with that um, you know I'm, I'm sure he probably doesn't want to come out and say oh no you know Suicide Squad is actually the you know the the first DCU film because <laughs> that would just seem arrogant but because um, I can't imagine them changing much to the Peacemaker series
0: no oh, that know? has to stay the same right like storyline mm-hmm.
1: wise you're not going to all of a sudden like start from square one um, you know, because they set up some major things you know, in that first season at the end so, I don't know um, uh, I honestly would be fine with Gal uh, Gadot I always get her name wrong, um, returning as Wonder Woman though oh, yeah. I feel like she's great as the character and I'm not holding like, you know, Wonder Woman 84 against her No, so. that wasn't her fault Yeah, exactly, that's just a horrible <laughs> script <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean besides like, you know Margot and Gal and Maybe Jay did his Lobo. Uh-huh. Like I think it's <laughs> fine to start fresh. Like you know, I'm sure they don't want to cause any confusion continuity wise and everything like that. But at this at this point, I feel like it's almost too late too. So, but I mean, also I mean, casual fans aren't like as deep in the weeds as we are. So mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes that's just overstated. You know, people just want to come and show up to the theater and you know see a good film. You know and that's it as long as they're entertained you know they're satisfied when they walk out
0: you know speaking of Lobo if Gunn doesn't do that film I, I feel like they should keep uh James Wan working with Momoa I think that would be fun to that have would, him underneath yeah. for Lobo
1: but I just feel like James Gunn has to direct that movie if they're gonna do it because <laughs> that's just the
0: perfect
1: fit you know for uh-huh. his style and everything like that so I mean I, I feel like Gunn is a horror kid at heart And he would just bask in, you know, the gore of it all. Like if they do a a Lobo film like proper, Mm -hmm. which in my mind is just like this, you know, bloody, gory space farce. Um, So here's to hoping.
0: Another DC story we got this week, and it came after recording, was uh, for Superman Legacy, as many wondered if Superman Legacy would remain on track for filming and its release date. However, Variety's sources claim filming may have actually been delayed into late spring instead of its early 2024 production date. Um, Scripting for the film has, of course, already been finished by Gunn himself. So. They may be just waiting to see what happens with SAG at this point, but a delay really isn't all that surprising given the circumstances of the strikes. Superman Legacy is supposed to be coming out July 11th, 2025. Well tis the season because last but not least, it looks like we've got
1: some news on the future of the Halloween franchise.
0: With the end of David Gordon Green's trilogy of Halloween films, the property returns to the hands of the I think Akkad family is how you pronounce that? And Trenka's International Films, who Bloody Disgusting report are shopping around for a new home for Michael Myers. While Miramax co-owns the film rights, Trenka's International owns the TV rights exclusively. And per Bloody Disgusting, a massive bidding war is going on for the TV and streaming rights right now. It seems Miramax and A24 are actually at war over these rights, with A24 possibly outbidding Miramax right now, which would put both Michael and Jason under their wing as they are currently working on a Crystal Lake series, which is based off the Friday the 13th films for Peacock.
1: So when this story was first reported uh, that they were shopping around, I guess, just the TV rights to, you know, the Halloween franchise, like the first studio that popped in my mind, was A24 because you know pretty much everything they do horror wise you know in my mind has been gold um Mm -hmm. and I feel like that'd be a great way to get the stench of the last three films off of the franchise (laughs) so then when it came out that you know A24 was actually in the running and bidding for the rights um I got super excited now when it comes to the idea of a Halloween series I will say I'm a little nervous because I feel like what the franchise really needs right now is to start back from, you know, square one um, and go bare bones and really give us something in the vein of Carpenter's original film. I mean, just go back to what made that film work in the first place, which is all about like, you know, slow burn, you know, tension and suspense and, you know, Michael just being this force of evil. That just happens upon this group of friends um you know and you're not dealing with all the lore of you know him being tied to jamie and everything like that Mm -hmm. um because i feel like that's when the franchise starts to get bogged down but with the idea of this being a series i feel like they're gonna do the exact opposite and they're gonna go and take a just a deep dive into all of the halloween lore. You know, and we're gonna get, you know, not like, you know, Rob Zombie's version of Halloween where we see like, you know, Michael Myers as a child, at least I hope that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're gonna really get heavy into like, you know, the Lori Strode of it all. Um, you know, where she's gonna be like the main character and I don't know. Like it'll I'll be I'll be curious to see where they take the story, but at the same time, it's just not what I was looking for. But that doesn't mean it's not gonna win me over, obviously. So
0: um, at, at the same time though it's it's a24 and they get away with doing kind of like I feel like if anyone could do it it's a24 could do a simplistic you know he's just there to kill he's just evil incarnate i but feel how like do you could get a away with
1: series that. like that though that's you have my these thing.
0: kids that are like they want to know why this guy's doing it who's doing it like what's the mystery behind it and then they just talk to dr Loomis, and he's like no he's just fucking evil and that's just kind of a, uh, that's the gist. whole series <laughs> like, well you're i mean you're there for the the kills right you're there for well, the, the like, victim
1: of the week but uh, i when i'm thinking series i'm not thinking mini series i'm thinking like an actual like ongoing uh-huh. with like multiple seasons so i mean are you just having a return every halloween and just murdering more kids and that's it yeah <laughs> I'm down for it. I just don't know for what else.
0: Uh. <laughs> I mean, if you if you put the intrigue more on the victims and you put the put it like what's going on with them rather than like the, the story of Michael, I, I think it can work.
1: I mean, you could focus on like how he's destroying like Haddonfields, you mm. know, and like his effect on the town, and everything like that. And every season, I guess you could focus on a different group of kids, you know, how many years later. Um, I guess you could go that route. I just feel like they're going to be tempted to kind of go like the legend of Michael Myers route and really, you know, you know, like I said, (laughs) give us like one protagonist that we're following throughout, you know, for some would have to be Laurie Strode. I mean, I'm not completely opposed to that. I think just after the last, you know, trilogy, I'm just kind of like Laurie Strode out, Mm -hmm. um, and i'm just kind of craving going back to the basics of it all um you know which Lori was part of obviously but you know she it was just by happenstance um you know i I don't know we'll see we'll see (laughs) i'm excited michael's coming back sooner than later though you know Mm because even with you know how those last three movies went I'm still a a huge fan of the franchise, and I realize you have to take the good with the bad. You have bad sequels and you have good sequels, and that's just how it goes. That's always a case of, you know,
0: more Michael, the better. Now, the real question is, is when are we getting the Michael versus Jason series on A24 or Netflix or whatever? I don't want that.
1: (laughs) Please don't. Now, there were rumors floating around, and I think they've been debunked at this point, but there, there were rumors stating that, you know, with this series they were going to actually go with the idea and concept that carpenter and uh, deborah hill had with uh halloween three where it would be almost like an anthology type deal where they would tell a different halloween story like every season um I feel like you would still end up getting the backlash that, you know, they got originally uh-huh. with Halloween 3, even though now that film is, you know, called classic and beloved by a lot of people. Um, I think people would still be, you know, craving Michael at the end of the day, though.
0: And then it's like at that point, probably name it something else. You know if they're if they're, everyone's just gonna bring on, be like why is michael not in that and then is it is it just gonna be american horror story at, at that point well too? and that's
1: the difference is nowadays there's so many series like uh. so many different horror series out there like you know anthology series especially like i feel like it it, it wouldn't be doing anything unique and different yeah. where at the time the concept was actually pretty cool but you know i think people were just wanting michael which You know, I was amongst them, so I totally get it. (laughs) But I mean, to your point, like if that film wasn't called Halloween 3 and it just went by its tagline, season the witch, I feel like it would have been a lot more successful.
0: And now for the nerds breakdown of episode seven of Ahsoka. Heavy spoilers ahead, you have been warned. I won't always be there and look out for you. If we get separated or something happens, you need to be able to make it on your own. Don't be afraid. Just remember what I taught you and trust your instincts. I know you can do this, Acellar. This week's episode begins with Hera standing trial for running off to Cetos against the Council's demands. Hera claims she ha- was doing what she had to do to protect the new Republic, but Senator Ziano leads the charge against Hera being allowed to even you know, hold her rank. Even with numerous witnesses, Ziano argues if Hera's story is even true, you know, considering the absurdity of you know, space whales and Jedi controlling them. Um, he is also quick to rally against the you know, term imperial remnants and believes people like Morgan Ellsmith and even you know Moff Gideon are working alone. So man, this Senator Ziano character is just
1: the fucking worst. Um apparently he is actually in the resistance animated show um oh, okay. that takes Never place it. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's mean neither. Uh which I guess takes place I think between Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Um I think he's related to, like, the main character somehow. So, and he's pretty awful in that show also. But yeah, just his smug-ass attitude. <laughs> like, uh, I just wanted Hera to fucking belt the dude. Now, was that Christian's top ten favorite Admiral Akbar sitting next
0: to them? Honestly, I didn't even notice. I was, I was lost in the scene. You make me <laughs> sick. <laughs> That's supposed to be one of your favorite characters of all time, Christian, and you didn't even notice him sitting there? there there's a lot of his race because they all helped the rebellion his so much looks identical though <laughs> I'm well i'm sure I, they didn't have him say anything he's such a you know influ- influential character in star wars I, I
1: can't believe you didn't pop when you saw him like what <laughs> i'm guessing it wasn't though because i mean i would think that his name would show up in the credits right uh-huh yeah and good. like no one i haven't seen any posts about it i didn't look myself obviously so um but yeah yeah that, that did stand out to me
0: when ziano moves you know for hera to actually be court-martialed c-3po arrives in leia's stead with a data transcript claiming that leia actually gave hera permission to go on this mission it seems ziano actually had gone behind her back to vote against a mission happening altogether even though leia is technically in control of all of the military so while you didn't apparently pop for akbar i totally popped for C-3PO like a
1: three-year-old when he showed up on screen um you know even though we've seen him plenty over the years (laughs) I just wasn't expecting to see him here and the fact that he was delivering a message you know putting Ziano in his place from Leia just made it even more sweeter
0: I don't know why I got completely confused by the timeline for some reason because I was expecting him to have a red arm and he didn't have it but i'm assuming this is before that yeah anyway yeah that's, <laughs> that
1: happens like, i think they actually told that story in one of the comics um because that i think that takes place on a mission before right before force awakens i okay. could be wrong but i i think that's timeline wise how that worked so it was and i think it's like it was like some droid sacrificed himself to say to save uh, C-3PO or something like that. I mean, don't quote me on that because I could be completely wrong. Because obviously, I didn't read the story myself. I think he actually like has the droid's arm or something. That's oh, the, okay. that's the red arm. So, uh, but like I said, I could be pulling that straight
0: out of my ass. So. After thanking C-3PO, Hera speaks with Mon Mothma, who, you know, knows Leia didn't actually organize this, you know, mission. But Hera may have actually convinced her to go along with this plan post, you know, mission, you know, to cover her. Even so, Mon Mothma is really more concerned with the return of Thrawn, asking how likely is it that he will make a return, which Hera simply, you know, states, be prepared for the worse. Like, I'm glad that
1: this scene shows that Hera has some clout in the New Republic, um, you know, you know, with at least Leia, but like, I feel like she should have had like this clout with Ma Like, this, you know, Ma should have been pulling these strings for her mm. too. Cause like, she, she was there with Hera, you know, yeah. and, and plenty of episodes, you know, during Rebels. So she knows everything that like Hera has gone through, you know, for the rebellion and everything like that. So I don't know. It is what it is though. Yeah. I mean, Ma
0: a politician at the
1: end of the day, I guess. So. <laughs> It is what yeah, it
0: is. One that's like almost considered selling her daughter for the betterment of the cause. But I mean, that's just. <laughs> we don't know how that all played
1: out yet. <laughs> but yes.
0: <laughs> that's kind of the
1: dope they end on with, you know, the first uh-huh. season of Andor. <laughs> Listen, she was about to join a cult anyway. It is what uh, it is. Sure. <laughs>
0: Joining Ahsoka in her training room, we find her listening to a hologram of Anakin's teachings. Ahsoka tells Huyang Yang of how Anakin made about 20 or more of these recordings for her when she was away, and that this was kind of the last one of them before his turn. I thought this was a great scene. Uh, I'm glad that we got a little more Anakin. Um,
1: I think this went a long way to really show the relationship that these two had, um, you know, in the past, and how much Anakin still actually means to Ahsoka. I mean, the fact that she still uses all these videos, you know, tells you that. Because at this point, you know, how many years later, she probably has all these sequences memorized. But at the end of the day, it's probably more about remembering the man Anakin used to be.
0: Yang informs Ahsoka that the whales are slowing down and again, you know, questions the plan that they are doing, you know. Are they even sure that the whales are taking them to the right galaxy? Ahsoka has faith though, and mocks Tiang's worry. But as they get out of hyperspace, explosions can be heard outside the Pargul's mouth, and once they left it, they discover they're in an imperial minefield. Yeah, and this was our first example of this episode of
1: Thrawn doing Thrawn shit here. Uh, Cause yes, this is absolutely something Thrawn would do, you know, waiting for Ahsoka, knowing that, you know, of her impending arrival and I thought this episode went a long way to really like display what a master strategist Thrawn is.
0: Narrowly navigating through the minefield, ships begin to chase them into the Purgle remains circling around the planet Peridia. Enoch reports into Thrawn that Ahsoka has arrived. Ellsbeth gives the Inquisitor records on Ahsoka to Thrawn, and he is surprised to find out that Anakin was her master. After that, Thrawn gives the order to pull back on their chase, and Morgan questions why. Thrawn believes he can you know, control her path by giving her a choice to go after her goals, which Thrawn remarks how unpredictable Ahsoka may be because of her master. So this is like the one thing that I bumped up against in this episode, because if like Thrawn knew who
1: Balin is, because when he introduces himself right away, he's like, oh, General Balin, blah, blah, blah. I feel like Thrawn would definitely know who Ahsoka is, and in turn, like, especially who her master is. Because I'm assuming that Anakin and Ahsoka have been part of some of the biggest battles of note that took place during Clone Wars, and you know for a fact that Thrawn has steadied the shit out of all those battles, so, so I don't know, it just, it just felt a little weird.
0: Maybe Thrawn was a hipster at those times and just wanted to only know the more obscure Jedi, okay?
1: No, no.
0: (laughs) No, I agree, It, it doesn't really make much sense that he wouldn't know who Ahsoka is. He, he, I thought at least he felt like he knew Anakin, though. So. No, I mean, he definitely knows who
1: Anakin is, obviously. And I think he even knows Anakin is Vader, um, you know, because the, the whole strategy that he takes is based on her being Anakin's apprentice. Because he's assuming that since Anakin was so unpredictable, that Ahsoka is going to have those same traits, um, which is, you know, something Thrawn would do. I think for me, it's just more the fact that he knew, you know, General Balin, but didn't know who General Ahsoka was. Um yeah, you know, that just threw me off.
0: Hiding in the debris, Hu Yang questions how they could predict their arrival. But Ahsoka realizes Thrawn must already be with Morgan Elsbeth. Meanwhile, down on Peridia, Sabine joins Ezra as the Nodi move their settlement. Ezra then gets brought up to speed, you know, on all the major events he's missed out on since the Rebels won the war. Ezra again, you know, tries to pry at Sabine on how she actually got here and how they, you know, intend on leaving. But Sabine does her best to dodge every question. Instead, she chooses to tell him how Ahsoka took her on as an apprentice. Ezra asks, you know, where is Ahsoka? But again, Sabine simply states it's complicated. Well, I actually loved his first reaction, which was simply "why," <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> which I think was, you know, everyone's reaction.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> um, now, I don't know the actor's
1: name who's playing Ezra, but he's doing an awesome job. Um, I feel like he's really like embodied that character's like natural like charm and charisma. Um, I'm glad that the scene wasn't just a huge exposition dump because I was kind of where I thought they were going. With Sabine explaining the hard truth on, like, exactly how she found Ezra and everything. My guess is they're saving that for a reason. I think, you know, Ezra's reaction is going to play a big part of the finale. Um, I think once he realizes that, you know, he could be possibly the cause of Thrawn returning to their galaxy, that he might do whatever it takes to stop that from happening. And they definitely left us with some heavy foreshadowing at the end of this episode, which we'll, we'll get into.
0: Tron then calls upon the Great Knight Sisters to find Ahsoka in the debris field. Um, they begin using their mystical orbs to locate her actual coordinates. All the while, in space, Hugh Yang struggles to get a scan, you know, out through the debris. So Ahsoka decides to try and use the Force to reach out and find Sabine. On the planet, Sabine begins feeling Ahsoka's presence but is unaware of how close she is and as ahsoka you know narrows in on where sabine is the night sisters are able to find ahsoka's coordinates and thrawn launches a hail of laser fire her way once
1: again i just love that this entire episode is thrawn playing chess um Mm -hmm. you know just i mean we're literally watching him you know figuring out all of their moves and then staying like two steps ahead of them at all times
0: forced to head out of the debris thrawn begins another pursuit of fighters having them chase her towards ezra and sabine knowing that's her actual main focus as they continue to load up the crates on the planet we see Balin and shin stand in the way of the Nodi, but Balin is sending shin on her own to deal with sabine and ezra and tells her to complete the mission and join thrawn in his new empire Balin, you know explains that the two must part as you know her ambition Shin is leading her down a separate path than him. Balin parts Shin with one final message that, you know, impatience in victory will only lead to defeat as Shin rides off to confront Sabine and Ezra.
1: So Shin and Balin just continue to be like, I don't know, the most interesting part of the series to me. Um, I just love their dynamic. Um, I'm And I'm looking forward to like, you know, finding out more uh, in, in the future about these two. Um, I, I doubt we're going to find it out here now uh because at this point i was really starting to like fear for shin's life
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> especially with Balin's final lesson for her um but with that being said i'm really curious to see what Balin's motives are and like how they're gonna play out in the finale. Like, are they gonna be a big part of what goes down or are they setting something up for the future?
0: I mean, it definitely feels like a lot right now uh, to explore. And I also feel like if we were to learn more about Shin Hati and Balin, is most likely either gonna be like a comic book well, that's or what I'm saying. like a short yeah, novel. Or it's side, gonna be you know? in that
1: anthology series, you know, the Tales of the Jedi, you mm-hmm. know. It's definitely not gonna happen now, you know, now that they've parted ways. Um, But yeah, I mean, with so much story left to tell, seemingly, this was the first episode that really made me start to think that there might actually be like a season two of the show.
0: Again, we see Enoch inform Thrawn of the mercenaries finding Ezra and Sabine, and he has two gunships filled with troops head their way. Sabine and Ezra then find themselves being the sole protectors of the Nodi, as Shin and the Bandit attack them while they're on the move. As one of the Nodis eventually gets injured, Ezra has the rest of them, you know, go back and circle around him to protect him, while also preparing to take on Shin. Yeah, like, you could tell by all the different formations and all their maneuvering
1: that this is definitely not the first time that they've had to outrun someone chasing them. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that's a big part of their survival. Um, a lot of people have been kind of complaining about the fact that, like, Thrawn and Ezra, like... Speaking of which, I've heard a lot of people complaining about the fact that, like, Thrawn wouldn't know where Ezra is on the planet... Um, I think that might not be the case. I feel like Thrawn might know where Ezra is, but he just might not care. You know, mm-hmm. I mean I mean Thrawn isn't your typical villain, like he doesn't give a shit about revenge. I mean, we see it in this episode, like he's all about like saving resources. Um, you know, and his goal is to get off this planet and back to his galaxy. So if he doesn't think like, you know, killing Ezra is gonna help him do that, then he's not gonna give a shit about it. So if he doesn't think getting rid of Ezra is going to help him, you know, you know, reach those goals, then he's not going to invest in, like, hunting him down.
0: Mm -hmm. Especially in a time where he has such limited resources and, like, it
1: just doesn't play
0: to his strengths, Exactly,
1: exactly. Now, if he thought Ezra might get in his way, yeah, he might, you know, get rid of him, but he might wait until that actually happens.
0: In the sky, Ahsoka gives Hu Yang control of the ship and has him fly over Balin. Landing in his way, Balin unmounts his ride and is surprised to once again see Ahsoka. Balin and Ahsoka prepare to do battle as he stands in her way of getting to Sabine. Ahsoka then uses a different stance than she did the first time for this fight. Do you think that's why she was going back and watching all those training videos with Anakin? Yes, that's exactly what I was gonna bring up. I was like, I feel like, you know, especially since in that video that we heard, He's like, make sure that you're practicing these stances every single these time. These different and I was forms, like, yeah. Yes. Mm.
1: Did it seem to you Balin, was actually kind of excited to see Ahsoka? Um, he was I mean, he wasn't like- <laughs> He wasn't upset he about wasn't it. He wasn't sweating it at all. <laughs> you know? No. Um, yeah, he was, he was more impressed than anything. But maybe he realizes that she's gonna play into like the bigger picture of, you know, whatever his goal might be.
0: Sabine offers Ezra his lightsaber as the bandits close in, but he refuses, claiming the force is all he needs to fight. And he goes on to prove this after taking out several bandits, and even dodging Shin's attacks. Sabine joins the fight with Shin as the gunships approach in the distance. I thought this was pretty fucking badass. Like, you know,
1: Ezra going, like, totally, like, force foo on everyone. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I don't think... I've ever seen a Jedi do this. And I'm guessing this is a product of Azra having to survive without a lightsaber for so long. Um, but I don't know. I thought this was pretty cool.
0: I definitely was expecting him to come off a little bit more powerful with his, like, pushes and stuff. But at the same time, the way that he handled Shin in this moment, you know, it really showed his, you know, obvious ability and skill over the whole situation. Yeah. And
1: I'm, I'm not surprised either that he might be a little rusty. You know? Mm-hmm. So... Um, I don't know, I I didn't bump up against any of this. Also, I'm guessing they're waiting for a a big moment for him to finally get his lightsaber back, you know, or use a lightsaber, because I feel like he's Mm -hmm. gonna, at the end of the day, let, like, Sabine keep it. Because I'm guessing when all things are said and done, he's probably gonna end up letting Sabine keep it. Um, And, you know, if he makes it out of this series, you know, build his own, which I know you'll you know love to see. They won't give it to me, they never do. (laughs)
0: You don't know, they might. Balin and Ahsoka then go to blows, but this time Ahsoka nearly gets the best of Balin as he blocks a killing blow. Balin claims, you know, she cannot defeat him, but Ahsoka had no plans to as Hu drops flares on their location, giving Ahsoka time to steal his steed and make an escape towards Sabine, which Balin sees her right off and chooses not to head in that same direction as he remains on his own path. Man, where the fuck
1: is he going? <laughs> they really gave you no hit whatsoever this episode, right? Not at all. <laughs> That's why I'm wondering, like, if this is going to be more of a big picture thing. You know, if this is something that we're going to see play out in, like, maybe Filoni's upcoming, you know, Star Wars film. Um, you know, if he's setting things up for, you know, somewhere down the line. With balin i mean
0: i hope we at least get a glimpse of what he's doing by the end I, of the well, season I'm get,
1: we're gonna see a glimpse that would be really anticlimactic if we don't but like if he just writes off and that's it um but yeah we're gonna see a glimpse i'm just wondering if they're gonna end up teasing some unforeseen threat if that's the case it's just obviously unfortunate without ray stevenson they're gonna have to try to write around you know balin mm-hmm. um or perhaps recast the role. I mean, if he does make it out of this series, uh, but Stevenson's just been amazing. He really has. I mean, like I said before, this is one like my favorite characters of the series, so um, probably th- one of the characters I'm most invested in right now. And that says
0: a lot because I mean, these other characters have been around for a long time (laughs) and are some huge fan favorites. Thrawn watching the gunships approach via hologram notices Balin is not amongst the fight. Meanwhile, Shin, while able to, you know, actually overpower, overpower Sabine is stopped by Ezra. Once the troopers circle them, Ezra attempts to actually talk to Shin into making them prisoners, but Shin just simply tells them to fire. Ahsoka though, arrives just in the nick of time, force pushing several troopers. As the battle continues, Thrawn watches on as his numbers dwindle and decides to send the retreat order. But Thrawn still doesn't view this moment as a failure, as he has cost Ahsoka valuable time in stopping them from leaving, as he shows Morgan that the ship is nearly done loading up its cargo for the Night Sisters. Once again,
1: Thrawn doing Thrawn shit like this makes perfect sense, you know, for him. Oh. You know, like, you know, yeah that they could have this battle it doesn't you know matter because in the long run i'm gonna get off this planet and i'm gonna win the war i mean my guess in the long run is Balin's gonna end up being the wild card that's gonna kind of throw a wrench in all of thron's plans i mean how or why i have no fucking clue but i
0: still feel like things aren't gonna end well for our heroes you know While Shin tries to fight Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra, she realizes her troops are retreating. Left alone to face Ahsoka, Ahsoka actually reaches her hand out and proposes that she can actually help Shin. But Shin decides to run away instead. Speaking of Shin, like if my theory about Balin,
1: you know, getting Thrawn's way um, in the finale is true, like I'm wondering if, you know, Shin will end up standing with Thrawn or if she'll, you know, side with Balin. I'm guessing if that happens, she'll turn on Balin. And maybe that's why he decided to part ways with her, you know, knowing, you know, her ambitions. Um But I don't know. It'll be cool to see how that all plays
0: out. But do you think that she would stick with Thrawn um, through and through? Because yes. I don't know. I could see her, you know, taking this moment of Thrawn just left my ass here <laughs> uh, as an opportunity. Because, I mean, she didn't get the call to come back. You know, Only the troopers did. she had to ride her that's true
1: um but she also (laughs) could be harboring some resentment towards balin for just leaving her too
0: yeah just (laughs) dipping yeah ahsoka then turns to ezra to give him a big hug you know excited to be finally be reunited with him sabine remarks i thought you were dead much to ezra's surprise but as hu yang lands sabine's ship ezra exclaims that he has a good feeling he's finally going home as our episode comes to a close yeah this closing line was a little heavy-handed um like, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that, buddy. <laughs> <sighs> that, that was the biggest red flag I've we've seen this whole yes. series, and I was just like, "Oh, he's dead." Uh, <laughs> he might not be dead, but I definitely
1: could see him sacrificing himself to keep mm-hmm. Ron on the planet, or maybe he ends up sacrificing himself to keep whatever's calling out to Balin at bay. Um, but it just doesn't look good for Ezra. At this point, I will say, like, I enjoyed this reunion and everything like that. And once again, seeing Ahsoka actually register real emotions, which I feel mm. like we're seeing more of, you know, since her final lesson with Anakin. I'm guessing we're going to see a confrontation between Ahsoka and Sabine, um, you know, about her, I guess, betrayal, you know, since she wasn't willing to destroy the map, um, since it would, you know, cost her Ezra. Um, and I'm guessing that's how, you know, Asra finds out exactly what went down. And that might end up informing the choice he might have to make in the finale um, to perhaps, you know, make another sacrifice. Um, but that's just all speculation. Um, but, you know, I, I do feel like Ahsoka is, and it seems like she already has, is just going to give Sabine a pass here, right? <laughs> Because we've also seen like Ahsoka throughout Clone Wars kind of make the same choice. I mean, we've seen her multiple times risk it all in the name of saving, you know, someone she cares about throughout the entire series. So it might be a little hypocritical, although I don't know if the stakes have ever been that high, you know, (laughs) like the fate of the galaxy but definitely like part of the reason why she was driven away from the order was their rigidness. So I think deep down inside, she's gonna empathize with her.
0: Well, exactly. I mean, we j- we already saw her immediately blame herself for that situation, you know? And, and I feel like the words that Hu Yang told her yeah. probably resonated enough. For a Sabine, that was the only choice, right? I'm obviously
1: paraphrasing, but you know, that was the gist of it, so. Now, with all that being said, we got one episode left. We're at the finale. It does once again feel like we've got a lot of story left though
0: (laughs) (laughs) it feels like i got a movie to watch next week you know but i
1: will say they've done a pretty good job pacing wise with this series so far Mm -hmm. so let's see if they can stick the landing um in pretty much like every single one of these episodes have been like 45 to 50 minutes long so they've got a decent amount of time Um, And I'm still not quite sure if this story is going to end here. Like, I feel like this is all going to play out in either Filoni's film and probably even maybe a little with whatever's going on with The Mandalorian um, or perhaps a second season, because we haven't heard like for sure. This is like a one and done type deal with Ahsoka. So I wouldn't be surprised if we still have more Ahsoka on the horizon.
0: I feel like the only reason I don't see a second season right now is just because like even with Andor they announced that stuff really early and at the same time we you know we hear that it sounds like they're crunching their timeline right now uh with all the delays going on so that's the only reason I could see them maybe being hesitant on doing an Ahsoka season two I want more I I love this so far so I think the
1: difference is though with Andor they pretty much had the entire story mapped out mm-hmm. um you know since we know how that story ends <laughs> um so i i think that's the one difference i could see them with ahsoka kind of taking in like a wait and see approach um you know because it even seems like the future of the mandalorians in flux right now like whether or not they're going to return with another season or if that's going to end up being an actual film uh before filoni's like you know mm-hmm. finale film that you know ties up all the loose ends from you know this era of the disney plus you know shows but with all that being said like With Ahsoka being a success, um, I could see them be more willing to do a season of Ahsoka instead of, like, finishing the story through a different avenue. But I'm sure Filoni has this all mapped out, too. But anyway, join us next week as we break down the finale of Ahsoka. All right, before we move on, I'm happy to announce we have a brand new partner this month, AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Let me tell you, once I turned 40, I started to fall apart. So I was literally trying everything to help me hold it together. But I was getting tired of taking so many supplements and I wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional basis every day. I wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, and immune system support. But I hated taking vitamins every single day, and I wanted a supplement that actually tasted great. And that's
0: when I discovered AG1. I've started drinking AG1 every morning before starting my day, and it genuinely feels like I'm doing something good for my body, especially as a gamer trying to be more active. It feels like I'm finally giving my body the nutrition it craves. Plus, I've found it difficult trying to keep up with other routines due to them having several different products involved but ag1 replaces your multivitamin probiotic and more in one simple drinkable habit since i've been drinking ag1 i've noticed an
1: overall feeling of health i'm no longer too exhausted after work to play with my daughter or help her with her homework. AG1's helped boost my energy, help my focus and mental clarity, and even helped improve my digestion. And that's all due to its science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients.
0: AG1 helps you build your health foundation first. Why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder in water once a day. AG1 was designed with ease in mind so you can live healthier and better without having to complicate your routine. And what
1: I love about AG1 is that it's delivered to me every month, so it's been super easy to make it a daily habit. I also get the single serving AG1 travel packs, so I never have to miss a day. I just mix the powder into ice cold water and drink it first thing every morning, and that's it. With AG1, taking good care of your body every day is really that simple. If
0: you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first Purchase. All you have to do is head over to drinkag1.com/slash nerd show. Once again, to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel
1: packs with your first purchase, all you have to do is go to drinkag1.com slash nerd show. That's drinkag1.com slash nerd show and check it out. And now it's time for Christian's Corner.
0: Well, this week in gaming hasn't been the most positive as we saw major layoffs and potential game price rises in the industry. For starters, as I mentioned, Epic Games, the $40 billion company, just laid off about 16% of its workforce to, you know, boost their own profitability. Um, per usual, reports say Epic Games may have spent maybe a little bit too much last year in games developments, and the returns haven't been enough. But let's be honest here, their profit margin always needs to be increased in their eyes, so they dropped a whole lot of people. Uh, for anyone unaware, Epic Games are the makers and owners of massive games like you know Fortnite, and are also the owners and developers of Unreal Engine, which is currently considered like one of the best tools in game development today. Their parent company Tencent is also one of the largest companies in the world. So again, this all kind of points towards greed. Um, this is at a time where you know we're all considering striking. You know, America's Climate is all over the place when it comes to this. You know, SAG had already given an approval for actors to potentially strike against the games industry um, if they like for all the same reasons that they're doing right now for the AMPTP. But honestly, game developers, um, the people who are actually fired every single year from each studio and have to bounce between studio after studio just to, you know, continue to make money. Should be looking more towards unionizing as their market is just rife with bad contract deals that only benefit the execs. You know, they're practically disposable heroes at this point. You know last week i mentioned how you know great this season has been so far um, as far as game releases go but i won't be surprised if after many of these games launch you know if we hear about more studios having to do layoffs to you know counter and make you know more profits for these games going forward for their studios it's just real unfortunate to see this trend continue in the games industry Each year, but overall, as I said, this is a problem that we see across all industry at this point, every, every industry in America. So we'll see what happens, I guess. Um, Some other events from this week saw the retirement of Jim Ryan as the president and CEO of Sony Interactive. Jim had been with PlayStation for 30 years, and while he may not have been, you know, as well known as Phil Spencer for Xbox, it will be interesting to see if big changes in leadership will cause any difference in PlayStation strategies going forward. Currently. Hiroki Totoki is standing in as interim CEO at this time. And lastly, it seems Capcom, um, the studio behind Street Fighter and Resident Evil, um, they're interested in raising their prices for their games. As President Tsujimoto himself said, $60 for a game is a bit low. Um, to paraphrase, Tsujimoto um, referred to you know, how games have become significantly more expensive to make and wages have increased for employees. So, in order to continue to be profitable and support their employees, raising the price of games would probably be the healthy option. Sony recently led the charge with selling games now at about $70 um, and many have begun following suit and I can only imagine Capcom is thinking of joining that $70 mark unless they want to go wild and make their own uh, prices but you know Lord knows I'd be a sucker and buy the next Resident Evil for $100 anyway but you know speaking of survival horror games and such like that October is upon us which means I'll most likely be adding some bonus horror game streams to my schedule hell even my girlfriend has expressed wanting to finish some of the some of the games we've started with her like the quarry and I'd like to get back into a couple other horror games as well, so be on the lookout for when we start doing some bonus nights um, this upcoming week. Otherwise, check us out during the daytime as we continue to play games like Starfield, which I've been pretty much addicted to at this point, and we'll probably be continuing to play up until the release of Spider-Man 2. Uh, We're live on Twitch every single weekend, so make sure to check out The Amazing Nerd Show live on Twitch, and also make sure to check out at and also make sure to check out at Amazing Nerd Live for stream updates on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it's called now. Uh, but for now, let's move on to some wrestling. This is unlike anything that you've ever dealt with. I don't think you really understand, bro. We are two competitors. That, we are two competitors that couldn't be more opposite from one another. I am nothing.
1: I am nothing like you. You are not the wrestler that I am, and I am never,
0: never going to be the wrestler that you are. Because what's a farmer to a mogul, huh? What's a cowboy to an outlaw? What's a buckshot to a kill shot?
1: All right, Christian, so this upcoming weekend, we've got AEW's wrestle dream. Uh, A first-time-ever pay-per-view, you know, seemingly part of their new pay-per-view format, uh, which is going to be, from the rumors, at least 8 to 12 pay-per-views per per year, which I'm not necessarily mad at because, I mean, I think one of the things that we're complaining about – earlier this year was, you know, some of these storylines are having to be drawn mm-hmm. out way too long just due to the calendar and them having to kind of stall until the next big show. So this new calendar should definitely help with that issue, um hopefully. Uh but I will say so far so good because I do feel like even with such a short like small window in between events, I feel like they've done a great job of building up this card. Like every match has some sort of story or some sort of stakes attached to it. But anyway, with the pay per view upon us, we're gonna go ahead and do our traditional predictions. But we're gonna go ahead and do this lightning round style since Christian's about to pass out on me. Uh, Fine, (laughs) I've been watching you throughout the the Ahsoka breakdown. (laughs) Don't give me that bullshit. I know that look in your eye, Christian. (laughs) and honestly, I'm 15 minutes away from
0: having that look (laughs) myself, so it's okay. Uh, I just don't think we know what lightning round means whenever we do these (laughs) Well, I don't. It's always my fault, because
1: I end up going a little granular, so it is what it is, but I'm going to do my best here, so
0: (laughs) let's go ahead and get through this card. Well, up first, I have Ricky Starks versus Wheeler Yuta. Ricky Starks. Yeah, I think it's obvious that you have to keep you Know Ricky Stark's momentum going, but I did enjoy Wheeler Yuta's uh promo against him uh in the back, yes, except for that last line. I forgot what he said, but I was like, You,
1: you didn't need to say that at the end. Like, he was like, Fine, then like, it was like, Wait, <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes less is more, Wheeler, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, Starks has to win here, especially after losing twice to Danielson. I mean, he won in losing though. But yeah, no. Uh, do you feel like there's anything to maybe Ricky joining up with the Blackpool Combat Club?
0: I've just never felt like his personality would fit in that. But I mean, they've they've done all the beating and blood and, matches that they can do. And beforehand. one of the big things
1: they say about you know entering the group is you've got to bleed with them. And mm. Starks has definitely done that. And then we had the handshake at the end of the match. Um, and you know before the match, you had Danielson like trying to give Stark's, a uh, you know, bipolar combat shirt. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is more initiation into the club here,
0: you know, with, you know, him facing off against Wheeler. Um, we'll see. Up next, I have a fatal four way for a shot at the AEW world tag team championship between the young bucks, the guns, uh, the Lucha brothers and Orange Cassidy with hook. So I'm going to say Orange Cassidy and hook get the, uh, number one
1: ship. Um, future title shop whatever the hell they're calling it um, I will say I'm happy that they're doing this kind of match on the pay-per-view uh, I feel like you know of late like all we've been seeing is like battle royal after battle royal to win like a title shot opportunity um, which I understand they're just trying to get as many wrestlers on the card as possible mm-hmm. but this is a nice change of pace you still are featuring tons of different tag teams and, you know, there's stakes involved. So I'm happy with them going this different route. And I'd like to see more of this in the future. No, I mean, not every pay-per-view, but maybe like every
0: other pay-per-view. Uh, um, I think we're I'm going to go with the Bang Bang Gang. I'm going to go with the guns. Uh, Getting an opportunity to go up against FTR again. I don't know. I've just seen too
1: much of that feud. So, I mean, <laughs> it could happen, but I just feel like Hook and Orange are a newer team. Mm. You know, they just put them together and... You know, they need to do something with Orange, uh, you know, because I feel like he's getting lost in the shuffle after his like historic, you know, international title run. So,
0: um, yeah, it's something different, right? I figured they would keep Orange off TV for like, give him a break and then have him have a big return or something. Well, but... they ha- I mean, he basically hasn't done anything for a little bit at this point. Until, yeah, like, he's this done week. like interviews and stuff. I don't know. I just yeah. figured they'd keep him completely off television. Well that that hasn't happened. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's too big of a star at this point honestly mm-hmm. so. But yeah, no. I I'm, I'm going to go with Hook and Orange. So. All right. Uh up next we have Statlander versus Julia Hart for the AEW TBS Championship. Uh I would like
1: to see Julia Hart actually win the belt here. Um I I think it'd be a huge shock. I think it would be a huge upset, but I'm guessing that is probably going to win. Um I think it's hilarious that all of a sudden they're talking up, like, Julia Hart's winning streak, like it's been a thing, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) She's something like 27 and 0. Like, that's an insane winning streak. Uh, But this is, like, literally the first week they've even mentioned it. Uh, But, I like, I've actually enjoyed, like, the build, the mini build that they've done here. Because at least they have Julia on TV getting a couple wins under her belt before challenging for this, you know, title. Because before we've seen that, all of a sudden, like, oh, by the way, so-and-so's getting a title shot because they're, you know, 30-0. and It's like, what? You know, and all those matches take place on Dark and Elevation, right? So at least, you know, they told us about the winning streak, but they also built her up a little on camera, you know, right before the match. Because, yeah, I mean, that win over Willow definitely levels her up. So she feels like a legitimate contender now. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Willow, but you know, that's a conversation for another day.
0: Uh, But I also agree that it's going to be Statlander uh, going away with the title. I, I just ever since the reports and like all the rumors saying like she's going to have a lengthy title run because they really like her over there. I, I just assume that she's going to hold it for probably through the year. All right. Up next, we have Kingston versus Shibata. Kingston's putting all of his gold on the line. uh The strong openweight championship and also the Ring of Honor World Championship. OK, so I don't know what the story is. Yeah, this match was
1: <laughs> because they announced this. Uh, you know, they showed the graphic for this. I was like, when did this happen? Apparently, maybe on ROH TV or something, and I just missed it. Um, it's gonna be a, an awesome match, so I'm excited for it. Um, and all the titles are on the line, right? It, it, wait, is Shibata's title on the line? I know it's only um, Eddie's. Okay, so okay, so both of his titles for Shibata. Okay, great. Um, yeah, Eddie's
0: gonna win. There's no way he they're gonna have yeah. to lose the belts here. I mean, it would be, be crazy to watch Shibata walk around with three titles, but I, I yeah, doubt it's it. Just, it's just too soon, though, for uh, Eddie to lose. So. All right, and then we have a two out of three falls match for the AEW TNT Championship between Christian Cage and Darby Allen. Man,
1: I have no clue what's going to happen here. Christian just won the belt, you know, being the fucking creep that he is, pitting Luchasaurus. <laughs> Duping the dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Um, Do we see luchasaurus finally come to his senses and turn on christian and cost him the match
0: that's my guess especially with i i keep thinking like edge is coming soon so they want to like probably wrap up everything with darby allen at this point and then get the luchasaurus story through yeah they're in
1: seattle mm -hmm. which is you know darby's hometown so i definitely feel like darby's winning the belts here um it'll be a huge moment for him um it's just whether or not you know Edge factors in like, you know, does edge actually make an appearance? It's October 1st. He said that his contract's up at the end of September. So technically he should be free to show up on the show. Um, you know, does he show up cost Christian the match? Um, Cause I don't see him showing up as a heel. Right. No. Um, although that'd be interesting, but he's going to get a huge pop and it's going to be weird if it's in Darby's hometown, who's going to be super over. So it's kind of going against the grain. Um, so if he he does show up, (laughs) well, no, that's what I'm saying though. I feel like it's going to be going against the grain attacking Darby Mm -hmm. because they're going to cheer for edge no matter what, Yeah, you know? So, I mean, he doesn't have to show up during this match though. He could show up somewhere else on the court Mm -hmm. too. So I, I feel like regardless Darby's walking away with the title um, and maybe this whole union between Luchasaurus and Christian comes
0: to an end. Yeah, I'm going to agree Darby Allin is probably going to win this, just so that we can move this storyline on. Um, after this, we have the six-man tag team match with Chris Jericho teaming up with the Golden Elite, going up against the Don Callis family, which is Tequesta, Sammy Guevara, and Will Ospreay. I'm going to say the Callis family gets the win here. I
1: think they need to build up this faction, um, You know, continue to like gain heat, and it will all come to a head, you know, in a rematch between uh, Takesha and Omega and, you know, perhaps Jericho and, you know, Guevara. Mm-hmm. With Don
0: Callis above the ring in a shark cage. Yes.
1: Hey, I'm all for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's some, you know, 80s goodness right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially since it's a brand new union with Guevara part of it. I I, yeah. I have to feel like they're going to win. Yeah,
1: they're definitely going to want to keep their momentum going. Um, And then, you know, we also saw Uh, koda get his ass kicked in japan apparently so um i'm sure that's all gonna factor in somehow
0: following this we have a two-on-one handicap match for the ring of honor world tag team championship um mjf is going to be going up against the righteous so yeah uh adam cole's unfortunately injured
1: Mm -hmm. uh he broke his ankle in three places and tore some ligaments or something so he's going to be out for quite a while Um, A lot of people are questioning the legitimacy of the injury, but from all sources, but according to all sources in the know, it's the real deal. Like the dude is hurt. Now, when Cole announced that he was injured, he was about to relinquish the ROH tag titles and MJF, you know, stopped him and said, hey, I didn't wrestle twice in one night for nothing. and I know how much these titles mean to you. So then he turned around and challenged the righteous to a handicap match, uh, you know, to defend the titles. So um, now after all this took place, Adam Cole was ushered off by, you know, a screaming Roderick Strong. (laughs) Um, MJF, you know, gave him a pass. And, you know, after the little talk on the boat, which we won't get into, you know, he realizes that it's okay that Adam has two friends. So he said, okay, go ahead. Um, You know, it was a moment of growth for MJF, but then that was soon ruined when uh, the Bullet Club, you know, made an appearance, namely Jay White, who got in the ring and basically announced that he's, you know, making a run for MJF's world title. Um, They had a decent back and forth. I thought MJF was a little stiff on him (laughs) and maybe buried him a little with the whole tofu thing. Uh, but we won't get into that right now. Um, but with all that being said, um, at the end of the show, we witness Jay White getting attacked by a bunch of masked men, um, being led by someone wearing MJF's devil's mask. There's a lot of speculation online that this is possibly the Kingdom and Adam Cole. I think that's what they want you to believe, and that might actually be the truth. But with that being said, I just don't know how that story necessarily plays out now that Adam Cole is injured. So that reveal is going to have to take place somewhere down the line, you know, probably months down the line. uh, Because it's not like Adam Cole can wrestle anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, and bringing it back to the pay-per-view match, I could see this new masked group. Coming to the aid of MGF during his match against the Righteous and helping MGF, you know, defend those titles and, you know, walk out, you know, still the ROH Tag Champs. Um, That way you keep on stirring the pot, you keep the storyline going, you don't get a reveal, um, and you can keep on having this happen you know, for the next couple months. And that way you got people accusing MGF of, you know, orchestrating this. And, you know, MGF could be accusing Adam Cole or Roderick Strong, you know, of being behind this. I mean, just the plot thickens, right? Um, and that way you can kind of stall until Adam Cole is healthy again. Um, but I don't know. I have no clue where they're going with the storyline. I'm guessing, you know, it is actually Adam Cole behind all of this um, in the long run, but they just have a lot of time, you know, to build this up. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it might just end up being too much time and it might you know, like lose momentum, um, you know, when
0: all is said and done. So that's that's my biggest fear with this. I'm thinking the almost the opposite in a way where I feel like the Bullet Club will be out for revenge and might screw over MJF and force him to lose the titles here to The Righteous. That's a good point, because then you build up even more heat
1: for Jay White versus, you know, MJF, mm. which I'm guessing is going to take place at Full Gear. Most likely. Um, they they have some, like, Championship Tuesday that's coming up. Apparently, they have to switch days because of some sporting events, I'm guessing. Um, so they're going to be going head-to-head against NXT. So they're going to have some big matches on that Mm. show to, you know, make sure that they end up winning the Knights. Because NXT is pretty fucking hot right now, believe it or not, because they keep on taking main roster stars and putting them on the show. Um, So, I mean, maybe they do the first match there. I don't know. But most likely, I feel like it's going to be at full gear. So for me, it's the Righteous you're saying MJF. So you're saying Righteous walks away with the ROH tag titles due to interference of the Bullet Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, i'm gonna go ahead mgf retains the titles and yo it's due to the outside interference of this brand new masked group retribution 2.0 right <laughs> uh,
0: up next we have the aew world tag team championships uh between ftr and Aussie ozzy open uh i'm gonna say ftr in a barn burner it's gonna be the match of the night yeah ozzy open. Super talented in the ring. I was not super into them on the mic though. Uh yeah, no, they're not great on the mic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean they can't get there, but no, they're not mm, great on the
0: mic. They're not so, there. I was surprised though. And I, I, I didn't like, like heard them talk before. I didn't
1: like the back and forth between them on uh collision either, because I feel like FTR like almost buried them a little. Mm. Um, you know, talking about, well, we hope you bring your game up. You know, it was like, well they're getting a title shot here. Yeah. Should their game already be up? <laughs> you know, you don't want to make it feel like they don't have a chance in hell in beating these guys, you know, beating you. So I, it just, it was a little weird. Um, like part of me actually thinks maybe Aussie open wins because, you know, at this point they've been kind of like, I I mean, Dex said it, they, they've been kind of like the sacrificial lamb on, you know, uh, AEW because they've had to swallow some huge losses recently. So maybe this will be the reward for that. And then we'll get like a full on, you know, FTR Aussie Open feud. Um, But I don't know. I don't know. Something about it just says FTR is going to walk away with the win.
0: Oh, I I think FTR wins easy. I think it'll be a great match, but I think FTR continues to hold on to it. All right. Next, I have Hangman Adam Page versus Swerve Strickland. I'm going to say Swerve. I think he's due for a big win. Yeah, I think pushing Swerve is just the right move for right now. Um, I think Hangman doesn't get anything in losing either, so it doesn't worry. I don't have any worries about that. Uh, No, I think it'll continue his story, you know, mm -hmm. that they really
1: set up here, you know, with their back and forth and everything like that about, like, Hangman losing focus and everything. His whole promo on Dynamite felt like he was really alluding to the punk situation. (laughs) The whole, like, dark cloud, you know, over his head for the past year and a half and everything like that. But once again, we won't get into all that. Um, But it just feels like it's time to pull the trigger on Swerve. Um, You know, and this might lead into an eventual title match against MJF. Because now that MJF is a legitimate babyface, I feel like they need to build up some heels to go after that belt.
0: I I feel like Swerve uh, could easily go toe-to-toe with MJF in the ring. Yeah, and on the mic. like yeah. I think
1: he's underrated on the mic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think he really, like, carried that segment um, this past week. So, uh, you know, he's showing that he's a five-tool player and he can really do it all. And he just, man, he's just got such an it factor, you know, just walking out of the ring and everything like that. I loved it this week, him stopping um, mm-hmm. Prince Nana from doing the dance <laughs> and everything. Um, just great heat. You know, because he knows that dance is insanely over right now with everyone. So, like, of course, he's going to put an end to it, you know, because he wants those boos. So now they are going to be in Seattle, and that is Swerve's hometown. So it is going to be, quote-unquote, bizarro world for Adam Page here. Well, it's uh, whose um, house, Damon?
0: Whose yeah, house?
1: Exactly. <laughs> hey, did you, I mean, Swerve was getting a good response in Denver, too. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a pocket of fans there, so... I'm just happy to see Swerve Stock finally on the rise in AEW now.
0: Last but not least, we have the dream match between Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. This match should be a classic.
1: Uh I'm going to go ahead and say Brian Danielson.
0: Yeah, especially this, this is like the beginning of his like big tour here, you know, in consideration, I feel like yeah, you you put Danielson over here. Yeah, and once
1: again, He's also a Seattle guy.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah.
1: So, um, but with that being said, I feel like he's going to return the favor to Sabre Jr. when all is said and done also. Mm. So, um, you know, when you're saying tour, you're talking about, you know, him hinting at retiring. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a real retirement. I think it's just going to be a change from like full-time status to part-time status for him. For all
0: intents and purposes. So. I'm honestly surprised they didn't book this match as a submission match, just because that's what they're both known for. I'm fine with that. Like, I'd
1: rather just have it just be a normal, regular match. Like, I'm never a big fan of submission matches and everything. It's probably going to end up being a submission match, like it's going to end with a submission. Uh Uh-huh. Because I feel like when you do a stipulation like that, you kind of pigeonhole them and you kind of take a lot of the suspense off the board, you know, where if you know that they could win by a possible you know pinfall so for me it just like takes away a dimension of the match that you know adds suspense so i'm i'm totally fine with it being a straight match now i will say i'm kind of surprised that there isn't more japanese stars attached to this card but apparently moxley before he got injured was supposed to be facing off against someone from new japan mm. also uh so it is a little weird so apparently, this is also supposed to be the start of a new era, according to a promo narrated by Tony Khan on Collision. A lot of people online, of course, are speculating exactly what that means. Christian, you want to take a guess
0: at what a new era for AEW means? Yes, I have no fucking clue because they're already kind of. I, it, I mean, in a they're new era? gonna go PG, like what are they? What else could they really change? Um. (laughs) Well, it could
1: be the arrival of some new talent. It could be them getting a new TV deal or going to streaming. Um, You know, we do know that they're going to have a new pay-per-view format. It could just be the announce. It could be the announcement of that. Um, Or, you know, that attached to a streaming deal where like now the pay-per-views are going to be featured on, you know, Max. Because we know they just started a new sports tier where a lot of people are assuming, you know, AW streaming content is going to be housed. So um, I don't know. I mean, it could be a lot of
0: things. So, but it sounds like you're like me, where you really just have no clue. <laughs> I, I've, at the end of the day, it could just be a marketing thing. You know, it's just like, well, hey, obviously, we're in Year, it's a marketing
1: so. thing. I don't think it's just, like, a name that would be, like, a part of church <laughs> Christian. <laughs>
0: hey, it's a new era. Okay, anyway. <laughs> those are on. not calling it, like, AEW new or some shit like that, or they give it a weird tagline, then that would be annoying. I think he's a smart enough businessman to know that when you attach the word
1: new to anything, it automatically flops. You mm. know? So, I mean, new Coke, right? Like, new Pepsi. <laughs> I, I, we can go through the list. So, I doubt that's going to be the deal. I'm guessing it's either going to be a streaming deal or, you know, the arrival of some new talent. We know Edge is a possibility. A lot of people think that Mercedes Monet might be making an appearance. But the one thing I'm sure of is Tony's definitely banking on people buying his pay-per-view to find out. So, um, Which we will. So, uh, you know, join us next week as we talk about the aftermath of AEW WrestleDream.
0: Well, that does
1: it for this week.
0: As a friendly reminder, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there, leave a five star review.
1: It really helps new
0: listeners to find the podcast and for us to continue to. Also, if you like the stories from this week's episode and want to keep up to date with the show, follow us on social media at Amazing Nerd Show or stop by TheAmazingNerdShow.com. And hey, to support the show further and get additional weekly content, you can subscribe to us now on Patreon. Just follow the link in the show notes. Also, if you want to rep some nerd show swag, you can head over to tpublic.com to find t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd show swag as long
1: as you live in the United States. All right, make sure to join us next week as we talk all the latest news and
0: rumors in nerd culture and whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show.
1: You probably don't recognize me because of the red arm.